0: Hello and welcome into another episode of Home Field Advantage. Hope you're all having a great week or weekend, wherever and however you may be listening to this podcast across our great country or our great land. This is also doubling as my Patriots post-game podcast, whatever you want to call it, Um but I'm trying to uh proverbially do two things at once. So trying my best there. Um so I'm gonna get into the Pats game in a second. Um I think we were brought to bear a few conclusions from that game that I think we haven't really talked about all year. So we need to get to that first. But um first and foremost, this is the first time I've recorded since uh The mass casualty event uh, that occurred uh, near my hometown here in Lisbon, Maine. Um, So, certainly had this had the short video on Thursday morning um, when the news first broke of the mass shooting, but just wanted to acknowledge it again. Um, Horrible situation 18 uh, people killed and 13 injured. Um, just miles from where I'm recording right now, um, and in addition, the subsequent investigation, and whatnot, happened miles from where I uh, where I am now. So, it's a horrible situation. Um, my my prayers, my thoughts are with the uh, victims and their families. It's 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 unimaginable, um, and it goes without saying. I I would really just point out that our community is a strong community um but it's going to take a lot of time to heal and i never really know the right things to say but in this case uh, that's where that's where i'm leaving it um it's going to take a lot of time for this community to heal uh it's not going to happen in a couple days you know the national media has packed up and moved on right um, it's going to take a while. I, I don't really know what else to say, uh, but I just wanted to acknowledge that one more time. Um, just a horrible thing, and and I think Mainers are strong, and I think we're a we're a we're a rugged bunch. Um, but you know we're 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 a people that have that have a lot of uh, resilience. Um, but it's it's gonna take a lot of time for this community to heal. And um yeah, I guess I just don't know what else to say. It's been a really, really tough thing. Um, I guess the last thing I would just point out is uh an extreme sense of gratitude that I feel, um, or I should say a tremendous sense of gratitude that I feel for the first responders and the law enforcement um personnel. Uh Having having law enforcement personnel from all over the region here um, is certainly something that I am thankful to have had the support of in our community. Um, you know, hearing police choppers over your house for a few for a few days is unsettling, uh, to say the least. Um, but I just have tremendous respect and appreciation for everything that they do. Um, and I think that that's going to stand out, um, you know, as the dust settles here, uh, it's that they, they did a really good job, um, but still a horrible event. And, uh, it's just a reminder that life is so precious and, uh, and really delicate. All right. So again, my thoughts and prayers are with the victims of the Lewiston mass shooting uh, and casualty. Uh, and then also, my gratitude is with the folks in law enforcement. Um, it's it's going to change. It it's a life changing thing to have this happen in your backyard for sure. Uh, but not not even close to life, as life changing as losing a loved one. So just keeping them in my thoughts and prayers. Okay. Trying to move on as best I can here. Talking about the Patriots game. Um, I'm going to pull up some stats. The problem with the Patriots is this. Okay. Uh, They have continued to lose games in two ways, right? Like I can see them competing in future games. Maybe that wasn't fair, but It's going to be hard for them to win a lot of games. And I've been saying this from the beginning. The the margin of error is just so, so small. Right? Like they don't have the luxury of sitting around and waiting till the fourth quarter to have another good touchdown drive for the first time in two and a half quarters. Like they don't have that luxury, it doesn't exist. They don't have a quick score ability. They don't have an. They don't have a defense that is uh, creating turnovers. They just don't have these things. So if they're going to compete and be in close games like they have been, then they basically have to play perfect football. I think against Buffalo, they played almost as close to perfect football as you can. They had opportune. Um, they had opportune takeaways that led to offensive points they had really good special teams uh, situations whether that be field position or or field goals uh, and then they they played really well on third down against buffalo today miami started over six on Uh, third down but they completed three fourth downs including a fourth and four mike mcdaniel got news for you guys he doesn't respect bill belichick he doesn't respect bill belichick he doesn't care he clearly doesn't care he he did whatever he wanted to do offensively in that game he did whatever he wanted to do mike mcdaniel on fourth and four said yeah i i I know I'm, i'm coaching as a guy who's who has six super bowl rings i don't care and to me, that's like a huge indictment on Bill, and we're going to get to Bill in a second. But to me, it's like they they don't have the luxury of playing in a close game like they have been against uh, Vegas or Buffalo or Miami or even against Miami the first time or Philadelphia or anybody else. Like if you take out the two blowouts, they've been in close games, but they've they're still like two and three in the, or two and four in those games. Right, they've got the two blowout losses, but then they're two and four in basically one score games. I mean, and I know yes, uh, today's game ended up being 31 to 17, but but I'm looking at this game, and like, again, just like the first Miami game, I don't think Miami did anything that was surprising, but the Patriots are, again, finding themselves in a close game with a good team. I think Miami's good. Of course, they've beaten you twice now. But they haven't been able to get over the hump because their margin of error is so small that like Mac Jones didn't play great today. Mac Jones played okay today. I don't I don't think he sucked, but he certainly wasn't as good as he needed to be for you to win that game. But like in order for him to or in order for the Pats to win these close games, Mac has to basically play perfect. The offensive Production has to be, like, they have to score on probably 80% of their possessions because their defense, meanwhile, is missing Matt Judon, Christian Gonzalez, Jawan Bentley got banged up today. And suddenly you're looking around and the margin of error between injuries, between turnovers, Mac had a turnover, right? Didn't end up costing them more than three points. But if they get a touchdown right there, that's a 10-point swing. They end up losing by 14. Meanwhile, they were able to take advantage of some of Tua's turnovers. Tua had a fumble um, on a snap exchange with Mostert that resulted in a field goal, and he also had an interception that Duggar brought back, and eventually the Patriots scored a touchdown on a pass from Jones to Bourne. And so they were able to win the turnover battle, but the problem is, is their defense was consistently giving up third and 14 chunk plays third and 13 chunk plays. And look, the officiating was suspect. You can go through a handful of calls. You can talk about the JC Jackson, uh, DPI. You can talk about the illegal, um, man downfield. You can talk about the, uh, helmet helmet on Devonte Parker, all these things, not to mention the fumble that happened before the whistle, um, it's interesting how how forward progress only really matters when if it's Ramondre Stevenson against the uh, against the Cincinnati Bengals and not today. Um, but but I digress here. They made some plays in this game. It wasn't like they didn't do anything, and there was some situations where the officiating was suspect. But ultimately you just cannot allow three first half, fourth and um, gold conversions, or uh, you can't allow a big play on third and 14. Mac Jones can't throw a pick six on the Miami side of the field. Like all these things just cannot happen if the Patriots are going to be competitive and win. And unfortunately, that's what's beginning to happen is it's it's actually more of the feature and not the bug meaning it's not an anomaly that they're undisciplined uh and aren't able to tackle and aren't able to get off the field and aren't able to sustain drives and it seems like offensively they give up if it's second and 10 or more if they if their first down play doesn't materialize then you know they the possession's over with essentially. So these things are frustrating. Um, Diesel wants to know about the terrible officiating going on um, in the league. Look, I I talked about it just now. There was a handful of calls um, that were really frustrating. Um, But let me be unequivocally clear. The Patriots did not lose to the Miami dolphins today because of their, um, because of the officiating that's, you know, the officiating is, is one piece of the puzzle right when when you have a team that has such a small margin of error then the officiating is going to be bad week in and week out it, it's just the nature of the beast the nfl officiating has been inconsistent but other than a call that happens at the end of a game right like the last year's super bowl or the super bowl before that when there were calls at the end of the game or when um there was the saints uh nfc championship non dpi or anything or several years ago gronk was held in the end zone by luke Keekley and it was non-called like obviously there are times where the officiating directly impacts the outcome of the game but today i i think the patriots lost because they they had poor execution on defense in third down situations um and an inconsistent offense that at times looked like they could really move the ball. And at times looked like, you know, they were a JV offense. As far as the Rams are concerned, I didn't watch that game. Obviously I was watching the Patriots game. Uh, I know there were some questionable calls in that game. Um, But what I'd say about what I'd say about that is, is, you know, LA lost 43 to 20. All right. When you lose by 23 points, it's a lot more than just officiating. Um, But, but I think the NFL has a serious problem with this though. All that matters is the appearance of impropriety, right? Like it doesn't actually matter if there is a rigged job going on. There's a lot of people that think the NFL is rigged. I don't, I don't think it's rigged. Um, I, I, I think that there are, there are a plethora of gray areas that are made gray on purpose. That way it absolves the league from accountability. I think the I think it's intentionally unclear what a lot of these rules are. That way they can be interpreted however they want to be on the spot. I don't think it's premeditated in any way. I just think it's intentionally unclear. That way nobody ever gets questioned. Um, but that's the problem, is the appearance of that impropriety as a result of the, you know unclear and ambiguous nature of NFL officiating, leads fans to think that the NFL is rigged. And I've said this before, that's almost just as damaging as the league being rigged itself, because now you have a sector of fans that believe that this league is rigged. And it doesn't matter if it is or isn't, if somebody believes that and the league doesn't do anything to squash it, then what are the fans left to think? Right, so I mean, what are they left to think? So that—that's my question. That's my answer to Kyle's question there on the spot. Um, Is—is the—is the officiating is intentionally unclear? That way, it absolves them of any real accountability. That's just, I think, the way that it's it's drawn up. Um, now moving back to the Pats game for a second here. I had this thought, I shared it with my friends. In fact, Kyle, you're in that group text. I think there is a strong case to be made now that Bill Belichick is a good, not great coach. And I usually don't like to participate in these Bill Belichick hot takes. He's still an amazing coach. I really do think he's a good coach in terms of being able to draw up a game plan, being able to put together a situation where um you know he puts guys in positions to succeed i do think he finds guys that not a lot of coaches believe in he sees talent in places where some people get passed up on all of those things are true and i believe them however i do not think he is a great coach in terms of winning he is just not he is a below 500 quarterback excuse me, he's a below 500 coach without Tom Brady as his quarterback. That's not an opinion. That's a fact. Um, He is not a six-time Super Bowl champion, if not for an amazing uh, offensive performance by Tom Brady in the fourth quarter of both 49 and 51. Now, in 2018 against the Rams, he had a tremendous game plan against that high-flying Sean McVay offense and he worked it to a T and they only scored 3 points. I'm not saying he's not a good coach, but in terms of being an elite all-time coach, I think it's time to have that discussion. And the reason why is today Mike McDaniel was in diapers when Bill Belichick was winning his first you know, Super Bowl as a coordinator with the Giants. He was in grade school when probably when Bill Belichick first became a coach in this league, and he is, as I pointed out at the beginning of the show, consistently running circles around Bill Belichick, and I don't have the numbers in front of me, I meant to prepare this ahead of time, but if you look back at the the wins that Bill has, he's beaten the Jets a handful of times, I think like 18 times in a row or something like that. So most of those Jets teams have been quarterbacked by bad players like Zach Wilson or Sam Darnold. He's beaten um he's beaten Josh Allen once in or excuse me, twice in their last six meetings, um, including a playoff game that they lost, in which I think the Bills scored a touchdown on all seven possessions. They don't beat anybody good. They struggle against good quarterbacks. He's not done a really good job developing Mac Jones. I I just think it's time to have that conversation that Bill Belichick without Tom Brady is not an elite coach. He's a good coach, but he's not a great coach. I think Bill Belichick without Tom Brady would still probably have won a Super Bowl. I'm not going to get too carried away. But I do think that there's a case to be made that that Bill Belichick is not a Hall of Fame coach without Tom Brady. I do think Tom Brady did benefit early in his career from some of the Bill Belichick defenses that were constructed. But um, again, the sustained level of success and numbers don't lie. He is a below 500 quarterback excuse me below 500 coach geez I keep doing that without Tom Brady and so the earlier you begin to acknowledge that and look I started acknowledging that when Tom Brady left New England went and won a Super Bowl with Bruce Arians now look I don't want to say that he should get fired I don't want to say that he's a horrible coach and that he's useless that would be hyperbolic but I do think that I've come to the conclusion today, just based on what Mike McGain continues to do with him offensively. And, and it's not just him. But I mean, the bills in recent years have done whatever they wanted to do. The Dallas Cowboys. Now, look, I know Mac Jones threw, uh, you know, threw a couple picks in that game and had a strip sack, but the Dallas Cowboys, Cowboys did whatever they wanted to do against Bill Belichick. The saints, the Saints, led by Derek Carr. You know, they're not world beaters. And I just think if you look over and over, Belichick is still a good defensive-minded coach. But again, if you're a good defensive-minded coach, I mean, Tyree Kill, this is 112 yards. You know, I mean, the Jalen Waddle wide open at the end of the game giving up three fourth down conversions in the first half, leading the points. All of these things are things that in the old days, Brady would have covered that up. Brady would, Brady's obviously better than Mac Jones. So Brady would have made those throws that Jones didn't make today. And, you know, the, the Pats probably would have scored close to 30 and, And I think the change, the time of possession and whatnot would have benefited New England, and maybe you see them win that game 31-24. Now, being at Miami is a little bit of a crapshoot because even Brady never played that well down there. But, again, guys, I just look at what I've seen, and what I've seen is that, yes, Mac Jones is a developing quarterback that has struggled. I'm a big Mac guy. Even I'll admit that he is not been amazing this year but you look at you look at what belichick is supposed to build his team around right he's supposed to build his team around hard-nosed defense and i know they're missing guys but i looked around they did not tackle well against buffalo they did not tackle well against um against miami today and then obviously in the games against Dallas and New Orleans, they were completely blown out. I thought they played really well in the first two weeks when they had Christian Gonzalez and they had Matt Judon. But since then, I I just, I look at Belichick, supposed to be an elite defensive coach, and he completely gets run in circles by a Miami team that doesn't surprise you that they're going to utilize Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddell or Raheem Mostert. They, They were running to the edge all day, and there were no adjustments made to stop that. Um, and, I, you know, I know they lost Bentley mid-game, um, but but that's my big takeaway with the Patriots right there is, uh, you know, I spent my entire life believing that Bill Belichick was an elite defensive coach. I think he's good. I'm not sure anymore if he's great without Tom Brady. I, I could be wrong. I would hate for him to go away from New England and go win a Super Bowl anywhere else. I do think you should hold on to him as a coach at this moment in time, I have not seen enough to fire him. Um, I I, I just haven't. I mean, if you're going to fire him, who are you going to replace him with? Unless you answer, have an answer to that question. I'm not interested in doing it because they didn't have a succession plan for Tom Brady. The crabs did not have a succession plan for Tom Brady. I don't want to see what a half-assed succession plan for Bill Belichick looks like. All right, switching gears to baseball real quick here. Um, And then a quick hockey thought before I wind up. Um, Baseball. The World Series, give it a chance. I haven't been able to watch. um, Simply, as I said at the beginning, in my neck of the woods, we were glued to the news the past few days. Um, So I did not have a chance to see Game 1. And then Game 2 last night, I was just way too tired. I went to bed early. But Merrill Kelly, pitching amazing in Game 2, getting a win for Arizona. And then Adoles Garcia with a huge walk-off in game one. This World Series, give it a chance. I think the Rangers are great, great franchise. Um, I think they knocked off Houston, who's been the big bad bully in the uh, American League for so long. They were able to put together a winning season without Jacob deGrom. Um, and I have a lot of respect for, for what the Texas Rangers have done this year. Same thing with the Arizona Diamondbacks. That's a team that wasn't on my radar at the beginning of the year. Um, but they've had unbelievable contributions from their young players. Um, and Merrill Kelly has has shown why he is one of the best young pitchers in baseball. So give it a chance. Um, I'm going to try and give it a chance now um, that we're in the thick of it here. Um, but just because it's not Yankees, Dodgers or whatever doesn't mean it's not worth um, our time. All right, last thing real quick. Bruins thought. Watching the Bruins, they're 7-0-1. I believe at this point, they're the only team that hasn't lost in regulation, at least in the Eastern Conference, that is. They continue to be a wagon in the regular season. The goalie tandem continues to be something that they are um, utilizing and utilizing well. My question would be, Jeremy Swayman and Linus Allmark are playing lights out right now. Jeremy Swayman, I think is 3-0-0, or maybe 4-0-0 at this point in in his uh in his season thus far with the one, two, six goals goals against. I think Allmark might must be four-0-1 or 3-0-1 or something like that. They're both playing lights out. They are. The rotation has shown to still be a fruitful endeavor by the Boston Bruins. My question is how long can this last? I think there's been a lot made of that in the postseason I think the Bruins need to make it there first. Um, but if these two guys keep going like this and they're playing this well as a tandem, you have to go into the postseason with them both as a... 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 Uh, option in each game I don't think you can go with Linus for six games and throw Swayman in there for the seventh game I don't think you can do that um this go-round I think you gotta if you're gonna go with Allmark for the first two and maybe Swayman for the next one and then back to Allmark for one and maybe back to Swayman for one and then kind of ride the hot hand for game seven you do that um but I I don't think I don't think it's worth tinkering with uh Tinkering with, dick, dicking around with, whatever, whatever you want to say. I don't think it's worth doing that right now because the teams are just so, so strong. Or excuse me, the players are just so strong by themselves. Um, but maybe that's a topic we'll uh revisit in the spring. But as long as those things are going, I think I think it's uh it's good, good, um, good a good time for the Bruins to just ride it as long as it can go. Um, but I think I've taken this podcast as long as it can go for today. Appreciate you all tuning in, uh, hitting us up on, uh, Instagram, uh, live if you're watching there. And then also on our YouTube, um, and wherever you get your podcasts again, just want to extend my sympathies to the victims of the tragedy that has occurred in my community this week. Um, it's been a horrible time. Um, I can only imagine, uh, what, what some of those folks are going through. And I, I, just hope that, you know, by, by being a part of this community, um, I can somehow be a small, even if it's a microscopic, um, factor in how we all heal together. Uh, cause it's going to take all of us to heal together. And so if you live in, if you live in the and auburn community, um, in the greater area, as I do, um. I just, I just hope that, you know, we can all rally together and get, and get through this difficult time as a community, um, as one, as one people, um, because the greatest strength that humanity has is our God-given ability to connect with one another. That is our greatest strength. Our greatest strength isn't me doing a podcast or writing an article or, or, uh, to a hitting, uh, Tyree Hill for a 60-yard touchdown. Um, our greatest strength as, as humans is in our God-given ability uh, to connect with one another um, and, and, to, and to comfort one another. So I hope we're able to do that. And I hope that you're able to enjoy the rest of your week, wherever you may be. Thank you for tuning in. And until next time, my name is Will Highland, and you've been listening and watching Home Field Advantage. If you liked this podcast, please subscribe on your favorite provider, including Spotify, Apple, Google, and Stitcher. Be sure to also check us out two times a week on those platforms, on Monday and on Thursday. All of the Sportland USA programs are independent, and the opinions expressed on them do not reflect those of any other company, outlet, person, or entity.